Let's open our Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, last time we looked at uh, men and women in church, kind of this continues on the context here really, but uh, it's kind of interesting, uh, we got a little bit of traction on the uh, YouTube video on this one for some reason, I don't know if it's the title, Men and Women in Church, uh, but it is definitely a challenging passage, but I think the, the, the bottom line really is to go with what we do know. Go with what we know. And, and uh, 1 Corinthians 14, let all things be done decently and in order. That's what we, what we is our guiding principle that we definitely know. Now for men, uh, the idea is to step up and to pray and to lead and to teach and to sing with lives that match. For women, he talks about modesty, character, inner beauty, good deeds, submission in God's structure, and faith, love, and holiness. Today, he kind of goes from there. And you know, when Paul wrote these letters, there weren't chapters and verses. It was just a letter that he wrote and it was continued on. And so he continues right on into the idea of leadership. And that's what we're looking at here today. This idea of overseer, elder, and shepherd. We're going to look at those terms. What do they mean? How do they fit? And I think, uh, I think it's a huge need. So we want to know what the Bible says about these things. That's the most important thing. So look at, look at uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now, as we'll see, <clears throat> these, these three terms are interchangeable. So I want to point out first is this, is that he starts off with this saying, here is a trustworthy saying, and there are times he uses this, this statement in the, uh, the pastoral epistles. And the first time he uses it, if you look back to chapter 1, verse 15, he says this, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So the first thing he says, and this is, this is what I call the take it to the bank sayings, is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that's why we heard this wonderful song and, and ended up with that, that, uh, that statement that Christ is our Savior. That's what he came to do. Now, the, the second one that he comes in here is found here in chapter 3, verse 1, and it's dealing with leaders. It's dealing with leadership, overseer, elder, shepherd. This first term, overseer, now, I, I think it's kind of unfortunate that in some of the older translations, they translated bishop. Now, how many of you are desiring to be a bishop? But, but the, the real term means overseer. In, in fact, the term is episkopos, which is a Greek word, and you can break it into two. Epi means over or upon, and skopos is like where we, where we get our word for microscope and telescope and, and scope on a, uh, different tools and that kind of thing. So the word... Episkopos means one who looks over, one's, one's, one who looks upon it. So it's somebody who is looking out. I remember somebody said to me once, oh yeah, it means overlook. It's the one who overlooks. Well, that's not quite the idea. 
I think in some cases that's what happens, that, that someone who, who has this uh, position is really overlooking what really needs to be watched over. The second word is their uh, elder, and that's the word presbyteros, and where we get our word for presbytery and that kind of thing. And really, it, it, it really denotes somebody who's mature, somebody who has spiritual experience and wisdom. And then the third one is shepherd, and we'll see, again, how these terms are used interchangeably. It's the word poimen, which mean one, one, means one who leads and cares for a flock. Okay, so these three terms, uh, episcopos or overseer, elder, and shepherd, again, are used interchangeably. And the first thing I want to uh, point out to you, though, is that this context and also other scriptures... They point to the fact that this role is a male role. Now, I know that that is a socially charged subject nowadays. But we really have to, we have, we have to go by what the Bible says. That's, that's our guide. That's, that's what we seek to follow. We have to do what God says in his word. Someone said this from the uh, Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry. Uh, he said this about this subject. He said, first of all, he said, women are underappreciated and underutilized in the church. He said, there are many gifted women who might very well do a better job at preaching and teaching than many men. However, it isn't gifting that is the issue, but God's order and calling. What does the Bible say? We cannot come to God's word with a social agenda and make it fit our wants. Instead, we must change and adapt to what it says. The rule for our life and practice is God's word. Okay, and, and uh, so, so we, we have to take it from that viewpoint. And, and looking at the last section that we looked at last week, we, it's clear that, that uh, the Lord wants, and his word makes it clear that the Lord wants the men to step up and take these roles of overseeing, of being an elder and, to be, and being a shepherd. Now, Let's turn, I'm going to take you to a few different passages to show you how these terms are used interchangeably. First, let's look at Titus chapter, uh, chapter 1. So that's ahead two books. Titus, Titus chapter 1, verses 5 and 7. He says here, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And then he gives some qualifications in verse 6. We'll look at those later. But verse 7, he goes on to say, Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless. And again, he gives more qualifications. We're going to get to the qualifications in 1 Timothy next time. But you can see here, he uses the term elder and overseer. They're, they're, they, they, they have a the same role you see. But you can see there, some of the things I want to point out as we look at these verses, number, number one in this particular verse that he's entrusted with God's work. There's a, there's a seriousness about this. He's entrusted with God's work. It isn't his own work. It isn't a, a career that he chose or a, some kind of title that he inherited or someone decided they were going to give him. He's somebody that's been entrusted by God with God's work. Very serious. 
There's some responsibility that's involved in this. Again, we're going to get back to 1 Timothy at the very end. see that if someone sets his heart on something like this, it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. But, but let's not, uh, you know, underestimate that it's a very serious thing. It's a very responsible thing, too. So let's, now let's turn back to Acts chapter 20. Uh, go back a number of books. Acts chapter 20, verse uh, 17, we'll start off with. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 17, uh, it says, From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, and he gave them uh, some words there. He spoke to them about uh, his own uh, witness and his own life. But jump down with me to verse 28. Again, he called them, the, verse 28 he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And then he says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. So you see the terms now, all three are used there in this verse. He says, elders, he called the elders together, and he says that, he called them overseers, and then he said that they should shepherd. This is a key verse, I think, for ministry, but, but, but leadership in, in the church, it's a very verse. Notice some of the things that he says there. First of all, he says you need to keep watch. Again, it's this idea of being an overseer, someone that's looking out, watching. But he says the first thing you need to watch is what? Yourself, you got to watch yourself, your own life too. It, it's not this idea where you're carrying, you know, you're looking out at everybody else and, and worrying about everybody else, but you're not worrying about yourself. That is what we call what? Well, we can call it hypocrisy, where, where you're worried about everybody else, but you're not really taking care of your own life, right? He says, first, you got to watch out for yourself and, and make sure that, you know, that your life and your heart is right before God. You can't give, you've heard the saying, you can't give what you don't have. If you don't have it, if you're not, if you're not uh, you know, walking with Jesus, how can you talk and how can you help take care of the church of God and lead them in walking with Jesus? Right? If you don't have a devotional life of your own, how can you help lead other people to have a devotional life of their own? You know, Val talked about a challenge she had with these two uh, young boys and uh, young men, actually. And uh, I, I uh, as you know, work with the older kids at the school as well on, uh, on Fridays in the chapel. And I had a challenge for them, too. And, and the challenge was this, was, and I wanted to share this. The challenge was, we were looking at the Gospel of John. The challenge was to read a chapter in the Gospel of John every single day until you read the whole chapter and then have your parents sign off that you really did do it. Right? And, but I didn't just tell them that. I explained to them, why would I want you to do that? Why is that important? Some of you are going, well, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you why it's important. I'll tell you what I told them is that is, and they got it because they repeated it over and over, is that it, it creates a kind of a habit in your lives 
that you're going to God's Word every single day. I said, don't sit down and read all 21 chapters. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a consistent, you're going to read one chapter, then the next day read another chapter, and the next day. And you see, God works in that way. It's powerful. It's powerful to have a devotional life of your own. And again, for the overseer, for one who is entrusted with God's work, as we read in, in Titus, I think it, it's got to start there. You've got to have something of your own, or you have nothing to give to anybody else. I remember I just read in a book recently where the gal, she was, she was uh, in high school, and she said, you know, why is it, she's talking to somebody in her class, why is it that, that uh, some people, they accept Christ and they never grow? And this person, this guy said to her, well, the reason is because they don't have a devotional life. They don't have a devotional life, which is, you know, being in God's word. And, and talking with him, having, you know, prayer. It's not, it's not a, you know, religious thing. It's a relationship. They don't have this relationship that's ongoing every single day. Now, I'm not talking about being legalistic where if you miss a day, you're going to, you know, lose your salvation. No. But you're going to lose some, some of that intimacy. And when it becomes, a day becomes two days, and two days becomes, this is not what this message is about, but this is very, very important. Two days becomes a week, and a week becomes a month, and a month becomes a year, and you haven't opened your Bible. You know, what kind of, what kind of a, a relationship is that? You know, if I didn't talk to my wife today, okay, we might be able to survive that. But if I didn't talk to her tomorrow, and then I didn't talk to her for the day after that, and then it was a week before I talked to my wife, and some of you are going, oh, no, he's talking about me now. Maybe, maybe not. Hopefully not. What kind of relationship would that be? Right? We, we have to have communication. We have to share our lives. So, number one, he says to keep watch over yourselves. And then number two, to keep watch over the flock. Keep watch over the flock. There in verse 28, Acts 20. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. To, to be looking at the flock, you have, a, you have this idea that you can see people. If you can't see people, maybe this isn't the role that God would have you. If you can't see the flock, if you can't see that, that God's got a, a, a church, that he's got people, then maybe that's not your role. And, not, and everybody isn't called to do, every, you know, to do this. Every, you know, not every man is called to be an elder, an overseer. It's the worst thing in the world for us to be in places that we're not supposed to be, right? It's not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for the people to be and try to do something that you're not supposed to do. Keep watch over yourselves and over the flock. Because look what the next part says there. It says, the over which or, or of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The Holy Spirit has made you over. There's something about the, the call of God, the work of the Spirit in a person's life to, to put them into that role. It's, again, it's not something you just sign up for. Well, we're going to have, we're going to have an over class, and if you take this class, then you will be, and you will you know, be equipped to do this. Now, it's not wrong to study those things. I think that's what we're doing here right now, right? And studying about what it means and what it says. 
But ultimately, it's got to be what God is doing. The Holy Spirit is doing. The next thing he says there is to shepherd. He said, be shepherds of the church of God. And this idea of tending them and, and caring for them and feeding the flock. That's the idea. Shepherd, feed the flock of God. How do you feed the flock of God? Well, that's, you know, that's primarily through his word, right? And then, and then helping take care of practical needs as well. It's, a, it's not just one thing. It's like a whole thing where you, you just care for people and the needs that they have. Because the serious thing comes up again here. Look what he says here. He says it's the church of God which he bought with his own blood. He bought it with his own blood. I think one of the things that, that is crucial to understand is that the church doesn't belong to us. Even if God has made you an elder, an overseer, a shepherd, the church doesn't belong to you. We use that kind of terminology, you know, so-and-so's church over there. If so-and-so is the pastor, right, you know, it's, uh, it's Chuck's church or whatever. Well, it's not Chuck's church. It's the Lord's church, and, and he paid a very dear price for that, for that church. He paid his own blood for that church. So for us to kind of, like, get, the, get the, uh, the weight of that, the seriousness of that, that we, we need to understand, and, 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 you know, in some extreme situations, I've seen it, I've heard about it, you know, where, where, where people and, and men take it upon themselves thinking that, they do, that the sheep do belong to them. That's, that's wrong. It's scary. These shepherding movements and, and different kinds of things that have happened where they, you know, you, they think they have to control. Well, we'll see in First Peter that's definitely not it. And then the last thing there, and I read it there in verses uh, 29 and following, that, that they would watch out for wolves. The wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. To watch out for wolves, to watch out for false teaching. Again, the first thing he dealt with in the, in the book of 1 Timothy was false teaching. Watch out. There are wolves, and wolves come in. They don't come in growling. They come in with a, a new sort of twist on the truth. They come in with some kind of new idea, some kind of strange teaching. And maybe, you know, maybe it sounds kind of good. Well, that's kind of nice. That makes, you know, I like the idea of that. That's tickling my ear a little bit. Watch out. An elder, a shepherd, overseer needs to watch out for the wolves. I know in the past I've... Uh, uh, you know, and there are times, you know, as a young, as a young pastor, you know, where I've, I've kind of like maybe gone too far and, and, and got a little overzealous. And so through the years, I'm kind of mellow, just kind of watching, listening, and, and, you know, certain things will, will need to be addressed and certain things are not that crucial. But you still got to watch. You still got to look out. Let's Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. So we've been looking at what, at what Paul has to say about it in uh, 1 Timothy and in Titus and also in Acts chapter 20. Now let's see what, what Peter, the apostle, has to say about it as well. And if anybody could kind of pull rank, it would be Peter being you know, one of the inner circle of apostles, one who really had 
you know, been there with Jesus. But look at chapter 5, verse 1. He says, to the elders, again, there's that term. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. He puts himself on the same level as them. Two, he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Again, another key passage in dealing with this subject. We have Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Then we have these verses here, 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 4. He says to the elders, he said, be shepherds. Same word. Be shepherds. Feed and care for the flock. But notice he says that it's God's flock. Again, the same kind of thing that, Peter, that Paul has said in Acts 20, verse 28. That they're God's flock. They're not yours, but you need to take care of them. And God, and God kind of uh, you know, gives this responsibility. God um, allows you and I to, to help to take care of his flock. It's a privilege. It's a trust. He said that they're under your care. But notice he says this, serving as overseers again. So we have all three of those terms in the first two verses of this passage. We have elder, we have shepherd, and we have overseer. They're kind of interchangeable. They're working, these concepts are working together. But it's a people and, 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 and it's a person here, he says. He says, not because you must, but because you are willing. Not because you must, because you're willing. This is something that, you know, it's not because you have to do it, because you're willing as God wants you to be. It's something that God has put in your heart as we read. The Holy Spirit had made them overseers. So it's something that was in the heart, but there's a willing heart there. Oh, it's not like this. Oh, I got to go do that again. I got to look out. I got I to gotta serve. I got to do this. I got to take care of that. When we get to that place, that's probably a good time to back off, to back up, take a break. There are times, I'm sure, and I've experienced there were times when it just gets to be too much, and you say, well, I just, you know, I can't do it. And there are times when God says, well, you need to take a break. Even he took, Jesus took the apostles aside, didn't he? He says, let's go to a place apart. Before you come apart, let's go apart, is what he said. Not exactly those words, but... Then the problem was they got there and there was a bunch of people there too. So, you know, you can't always get away from, from, from what's going on here. But again, it's this idea of a heart. It's got to be from the heart. The next thing he says there is not greedy for money. Not greedy for money. He makes it so very, very clear. And yet we, we see the abuse in this one area and it, it has put people off the church. It's put people off put people off of following after Jesus because of people who are greedy for money. Very sad. Very sad. He makes it very, very clear. It's, you're, you're not in front of them. If you, if you, the, the truth is, for the most part, uh, 
I don't know how to say this without being misunderstood, but for the most part, you could probably make, if you want to be a pastor, you could probably make more money doing something else. For the most part. I mean, they're, you know, the big mega churches and they, you know, they, they can afford to, 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 you know, have big salaries and all the rest of it. But for the most part, it's not about the money. Because God provides. If you're doing what God wants you to do, God will provide. The next thing he says is uh, eager to serve. It's really about being servants. It's not about being, you know, well, I'm one of the elders of the church. I'm the pastor of the church. No, I'm the servant of the church is what it's supposed to be. Eager to serve. Not eager to be on a power trip. And that's what the next thing he says there. It says not lording it over. Not lording it over. Not this power trip. And, and again, there, there have been many, many abuses about that and, and, and in that area in, in the history of the church. Well, the truth is that, that we're human and we blow it and we make mistakes and we do things that are not right. So what do we follow? We follow some man and his idea of, a, of what a, a, you know, a leadership should be some kind of a power trip and everybody should you know, uh, bow before them and, and kiss their hands and all this stuff. It, it's, just, it's just, no, it's, it's a servant's place of a servant. If you have any other kind of idea about that, go do something else. Go become a CEO somewhere. The last thing he says there is being an example to the flock. It's got to be, in the end, is what you are and is, is an example. You got to know people are watching you. That's not always easy, you know. That's not always easy because you're human. You make mistakes. I make mistakes. And then, I, I, you know, I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed when I make a mistake and people, they, they see me. They're watching me. Although, even in that, there's an example of that, of showing people how it is to, that, that you're human, that you get on. You go back to God and you, and you repent and you, and you follow Him and you get right. There's an example in that too, right? In some ways, to, to follow somebody who's a leader uh, who never makes any mistakes, it's like, it's like unattainable, Right? Well, it doesn't mean the leader should make mistakes so that he could be, you know, give that part of the, you know what I'm saying. But to be human, to be real. In verse 4 there, speaking about rewards, he says, When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Interesting thing about this is, is that sometimes the rewards are going to be delayed. I mean, there's a sense of satisfaction in serving in these ways. But he speaks here that the, that the reward you're going to get is you might have to wait till Jesus comes before you're going to get the reward. Are you prepared to deal with that? Or do you need the kudos now? Do you need the recognition? Do you need these things? Because that's not why you would do it. The recognition that we want and that we need is from the Lord, right? when we would stand before him, and, and we heard a great teaching about this the other night uh, on Wednesday, where we would look at our eyes. 
And he would look into our eyes and he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's, that's what we want to hear. So to kind of summarize the, the duties really of, of what we're talking about here, uh, f- to teach and to preach, 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to get to that section and also 1 Timothy chapter 5. Direct the affairs of the church, 1 Timothy 3, verse 5. Shepherd the flock of God, Acts 20, 28, and also this passage in 1 Peter. Guard the church from error, Acts 20, 29 and 30 to 31. And to be an example, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3. Let's turn back to 1 Timothy. Someone said this. What we're talking about here, this role, overseer, elder, shepherd, is a, he, he called it a heavy responsibility, not an honorary office to be listed on one's resume. It's not just some title. It's not, it's not like that at all. I hope I'm not making it too difficult, although I think we need to understand how serious it is. But if God's doing this, if God wants to work in someone's life, if, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. So it's this idea of, of setting his heart on the, the, the actual language means this, to reach out after, to reach out after it. Again, we've already stated that it's a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit made them overseers, elders, shepherds. But to, to set his heart on, to, to reach out after it, to go for it, there's still some initiative required. And that's one of the things I've been working and speaking and talking with the guys about. There, there's got to be, God's got to be doing it in you, but you all take steps. You have to step out. Take some initiative. Maybe, even after hearing what we're looking at today, and hey, maybe it's not the most coveted job on the planet. I don't know if I'd want to do all that. Again, the, the Holy Spirit, one man wrote this, the Holy Spirit lays a burden on a man's heart to take up this important work and also equips him for it. He said, it is impossible to make a man an overseer by voting him in or by ordaining him. The Holy Spirit needs to do the work. And God will equip and God will help. But, but you know, it's not always looked on as the most important, happy thing. It really was a, a more positive thing back in time. But today, it's not the most coveted position to be an elder, to be an overseer, to be a shepherd or a pastor. There's a kind of a cultural negativity as well as the responsibility, as well as the cost, as well as the spiritual warfare that is a part of it. But look what it says there. He says he desires a noble task. He desires a noble task. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. I wouldn't want to close in any other way except knowing that 
that it is to serve God, to do what God's called you to do, what he's put into your heart is a good thing. In fact, the, the Strong's uh, translate that word noble as beautiful, good, valuable, virtuous. Beautiful, good, valuable, and virtuous. It doesn't make it easy, but it's good. And if it's something that God is putting in one's heart, I want to, uh, the last verse I want to look at is in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you'll turn back with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. There was a guy named Titus, and he gave an example. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He left us an example. Paul speaks about him in, in this uh, passage, uh, verses 16 and 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, I thank God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. See that? Who put, who put the concern into his heart? God put it in there. God was working in the heart of Titus, this concern for the people, this heart for the people. But Titus got involved too. Look in verse 17. He says, for Titus not only welcomed our appeal... But he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. He's coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. You see, God was doing a work in his heart and in his life, and, and God was leading him in that way. But Titus also had to, to, to give some initiative to it, and he had to kind of get into it. He went for it. There's a saying, a friend of mine in California, years and years ago, you know, you get to the place where you've got all these ideas and then, and then finally you need to do it. And he, and he would say to me, you know, we worked together, he, he would say to me, there's nothing left to it but to do it. And there comes a time when you, when you need to step up, you need to get involved and, and, and go for it. If God, you think God is putting something in your heart, and of course this applies to a lot of other areas as well, to put some enthusiasm in it. Get excited. And then, and then put some initiative, in, initiative into it. And see what God will do. Is there some danger in all this? Of course there is ambition. But I think there's a difference between godly ambition and selfish ambition. I think God, God wants us to have a godly ambition. It's not wrong to have ambition. It's, it's selfish ambition that gets us into trouble. He desires a noble task. A noble task. It's work. Someone said this. There's a tendency to think this is a dignified ecclesiastical office entailing little or no responsibility, whereas overseership is actually humble service among the people of God. It is work. It's work. It's a noble task. Servants are needed. He goes on to say a little bit later, he says, the scripture does not specify any number for a local church, though there's always a plurality or more than one. It is simply a matter of how many men respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit in this matter. 
Not just one guy. It's not a one-man show. It's got to be a plural. It's got to be a group of men. And I think that's what God is doing here amongst us, raising up. And, and, and this is such a serious, uh, important uh, passage, these passages we're looking at here. Servants are needed. A matter of how many men respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit in this matter. Like Titus. Enthusiasm. Initiative. Let's see what God's going to do. That's my, that's my uh, thought. Let's see what God wants to do. Let's pray, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus as we heard in the song, he's so much to us, and he's, but he's our Savior. He came and he gave his life. He, he bought a people, a church, a flock with his very own blood. He gave his life so that we could have eternal life. We thank you for that, Lord. We, that's, the, that's the point we all uh, start at, at the cross, at the resurrection, where, where life begins for us as we trust in Jesus as our Savior. And then, and then we, we grow and we learn and we gather together to encourage one another, to comfort one another, urge one another to live lives for God. And Father, you raise up leaders and you raise up men and women in all different roles of leadership, but specifically we're looking here about this role of overseer, elder, shepherd. We pray you'd raise up men. I pray you'd raise up men to help carry this group of people. Lord, we don't, it's not a large group, it's, it, but, but it's important that we have these leaders, Lord. I know that you've given it. You've spelled it out for us. So I pray you would continue that work you've started here with us, Lord. Father, I do pray for any here as well, as I always want to encourage people to follow Jesus. Lord, any here that have never crossed that threshold of trusting in you as Lord and as Savior, I, I just love to give an opportunity, Lord, you know that, to, to let people call upon the name of Jesus and, and let him be their Savior. It's very simple to do. All you need to do is is call to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I'm lost. I need you. I want you as my Savior. I want you as my Lord. Forgive me. Wash me of my sin. That I might be one of yours and have eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for all you've given to us. You are good. You are good forever, as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. And let's stand and sing together, shall we?